All right. So happy Father's Day. To all the, the guys that are fathers, not the mothers. We did Mother's Day a couple of weeks ago, so <laughs> we get we get a couple. That we get one or two days out of the year, right? <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. All right. So uh, I'm not sure how to start this one, so we're just going to go with it. Um, so uh, how many of you guys have dads that are still alive? I was like, Jared, I'm like, raise your hand there. All right. So um, he was a little slow on that. It's okay, John, you're still here. Um, But uh, I was uh, was thinking about it, and, um, you know, it's, there's times where in our lives that we have moments with our dads, when we're little kids, when we're old, when when we're, um, when they're getting old, and there's just certain times where it's like when you're an adult, you realize, you know, like I'm almost 40. <laughs> and um, I just look back and I remember those times when my, when my dad was that age. And I'm, I'm thinking about when I was, you know, how old I was. And I was like, okay, because my dad was, um, let's see, they waited five years to have me. So he was almost, yeah, he was pretty much like uh, 26 by the time he had me. We were done by having kids by the time we were 26. So and I, I remember my dad, you know, as a, as a little kid, you know, you, you have memories of your parents and he, little things here and there. And I always remember, like, the little things. My dad, he used to work a steel case. He was a, one of the steel case guys from the 80s. And there was this uh, donut shop right on the corner of 36th Street. And I think uh, it was Eastern where, um, where steel case was. It was the file plant. And there was this big donut place, and he brought us a glazed donut. And, and like, when you're seven years old, six years old, the, the size of that donut is the big, as big as your head. And you're just like, this is the best thing ever. And I remember cutting it into little pieces, you know, because it, it's just too big to hold on to and eat. Because, you know, you're, how do you hold on to a donut as big as your head without getting your hands just covered in it? But then, you know, I remember that. And then I remember him um, putting us into a rolling cart and throwing a tarp over us and bringing us into the plant. He, we weren't supposed to. It was we weren't allowed to go in there. It was it was employees only. But he took us. He, he put us in a cart, put a like a canvas cover. It was a canvas thing for putting parts in, and he put a canvas bag over it. And, he, and I'm thinking, what if some guy just threw some parts in there, thinking, oh, that cart's going to go somewhere? Um, and we're not talking like you know little parts. We're talking heavy file cabinets. Anybody have a steel case file cabinet in their house at one point? Yes, they're massive. They're not. They were built like tanks. And so he brought us in there, and he's pushing us through the factory, and we're peeking out, looking at all the different places, and he's like, that's where I work, and, you know, and then he pushed us back out, and thinking, how dangerous was that, you know, just, you know, but it's those little things that we remember as kids about our dads that we can hold on to. Um, some of us have good memories of our dads, some of us have bad memories, um, some of us had really good dads, some of us had dads that were struggled in their own life and struggled being a dad, but God gives them grace, and there's always those we always have good memories. Um, even, even if they weren't the best parents, God gives us little memories that we can just hold on to and say, I remember when my dad did this, or I remember when my dad did this. But what's great about that is God can bring to our remembrance the good things in our life about our fathers, even though we may have not had the best relationship with them. Um, but on the opposite side of the coin, we have the Father God, who is like, oh, you know, it's like, <laughs> It's like, how do you, and what happens is, is when you start to experience the father, you start to see where your dad had little parts of the father God in his life, 
in speaking it. And my dad was, um, you guys have probably heard this before, my dad was really kind of a, um, um, I don't know how to explain it, but he's six foot four, um, and, um, but he was always just a big guy, but he was always gentle, always soft. I mean, I remember going to farmer's houses, cutting down willow trees, making bow and arrows out of them. He was always, he was always that soft, kind of a gentle person. He had a really harsh upbringing, a lot of death in his family, a lot of um, just neglect, and he really tried to, to put um, as much as he possibly could into us. And he had flaws, and we all have flaws. But I, I start to look at God, and when you start to look at God, and you look at your dad, and you compare them, there's no comparison. But you, when you look at God, you can start to see God in your fathers. It, just a little, even if it's just a little bit, you can say, God, thank you for that, for being in my father's life in that area. Whether he was kind, or he was loving, or gentle, or whatever it was, you can look back and say, thank you, God, for that. You know, but as kids, you know, um, I remember we had this steel case truck. It was this little Tonka style truck and it was like a replica of the steel case semis that you'd see going down the road with the big blue and the steel case with the multiple colors on there. And, always, and you could never get your G.I. Joes in there, um, <laughs> but you could always get the G.I. Joes in the back of the semi truck because that's, that was the only part that opened up. So we would uh, we'd be playing with it. And my mom would be like, why are you playing with that? Because it was a kind of a decorative, you know, collector's item. And we would just play with it and, and we'd be, pushing around the house and stuff like that. But I started to, to think back, you know, when you're in grade school and there's that kid that's bugging you, what do you do? Go home and tell dad. Like, my dad's going to come beat you up. Oh, no, my dad's going to beat your dad up. Well, my dad's bigger than your dad. My dad's stronger than your dad. And my dad's going to beat your dad up. You know, you get in these, these matches because what do you go to? You go to, as a child, you go to a protector. You go to safe and har- a safe harbor, a refuge that you can rely on. So when you're, it's like, my dad's taller than your dad. No, my dad's taller than your dad. You know, we, we do these comparison things when you're little kids. I, you know, you watch little kids that are like six, five, six, seven years old, and you're like, my dad's taller than your dad. No, my dad's taller. And they, and they compare, and you know, like, my dad can beat up your dad. Well, my dad can beat up your dad. And, and they, they do this because they're so proud of their dad. That's, that's, the, that's their idol when they're a kid. That's, that's who they look up to, and they're like, that's my dad. And he's He's strong and he's, he's powerful and Sarah can't contain herself right now because she's laughing too much. Um, sometimes I have to separate my wife and my girls away from sitting next to each other like you would have to separate little boys from sitting next to each other because they can't behave themselves. Um, <laughs> but no, I'm just kidding. Um, I'm not kidding. But, um, so we see our kids see their dad as an invincible superhero when they're when they're little, they just see their dad and he's, he's everything. He can, he can beat anything. He can stop the monsters. You know, he opens that closet. It's dark and says, get out of there. And they go, all go, all the monsters go away. The bed's cleared out. He walks in there and says, get out of here. And they, and they clear them out. And, you know, we see him as a powerful person and he takes care of all of our needs. And he, he gets rid of all the monsters when we're, we're little kids. Jared Kaylee, you will have to do that. Just letting you know. You don't have to use the guns when you do that, though. You can just say, get out. You don't have to use any kind of show of force when you walk in there. So just a little word of wisdom there. Um, but um, we see our fathers as that, that, that person when we were little kids. And, and as we get older, it starts to change. Am I right? It, we think that he's just perfect and he can do no wrong when we're little. And then we get older, a little more defiant, a little more stubborn. <laughs> 
and uh, we become, you know, kids that have their own will, and then it's like, well, you know, we start to see ourselves, we start to see the flaws of our dads, but those flaws, what I, what I really struggle with is, um, I've got some family members that really struggle with um, accepting the flaws of their father and forgiving them because we have to remember the flaws of our father are sometimes not his fault. The flaws of our father are, are sometimes the upbringing. And, and I've I had this conversation with my dad and I was talking to him one time and he, he when he was a young kid, um, and he'll be fine with me telling the story. If not, sorry, Dad. Um, he loves me. He'll let me. He'll let me do it. His, um, he was about six. His mother died. And then his dad got remarried very soon afterwards because he had three boys. Um, and they were all like seven and under or eight and under. And then um, a couple years later, his um, brother got sick. They didn't think anything of it. They just put him in bed, and he died of meningitis a couple days later. And then when everything went down, um, the dad took all of the items from his wife and his, the, and his son that had passed and took them all and put them in and burnt them all. And I know this sounds really, really rough, but um, I look back at my grandpa. He was, a, he was uh, a nice man, but very, very hurt, very, very flawed in a lot a lot of ways and I look at my dad and, and don't and, and I'm not saying that my dad is is bad I'm not saying that by, that by any means but the the pain that my grandfather couldn't deal with got pushed on to my father and the pain that he couldn't deal with he tried to take out on himself and I it's so it it I struggle with that because I look back and I say, where are we now as human beings that we have the ability to reach out and cope with things? Back then, we're, we're talking about a, a Korean War vet. He's, you know, he died in his 80s. Um, but he, he didn't know how to verbalize and, and um, explain the pain that he was going through. Um, and a lot of you guys, your parents were, you know, whether it was Korea or World War II, a lot of your parents were um, veterans. And, and the things that they saw and the things they experienced, no one should, ex- should ex- uh, have to experience that or try to explain that away. But I, I look at that, and, and the pain that was caused by my grandfather, and the pain that he experienced, whether it was war in his personal life, got pushed on to the next generation. And, and I think... Now, in 2019, we have the ability and we have more ways to be able to cope with the things that we have. And I look at that and what I struggle with a lot is there's this, there's this culture that was in that era that men have to be tough and they don't have emotions. They, they, don't, they, can't, they can't express their emotions. They can't express that they're hurt, that they're, they're, they're feeling upset, that there's pain in their life. They just had to go out and, and just cope with it. You just go and you, you work. That's how you deal with it. Or you just go and you drink. And there was no uh, culture for men to say, I was at war. I was struggling with this. I'm struggling with this right now. 
I would say in our society now that there is more of that. But even in my dad's, you know, he was born in the 50s, at a 20-year-old, 30-year-old man not being able to say, this is what I'm struggling with. And that, that's painful to me because I see a lot of people that are that age that have struggled with that and they don't have healing because it was, you had to be macho. It was the Marlboro Man, John Wayne, you smoke 12 packs a day and you wear a cowboy hat and you're John Wayne and you just don't talk about your emotions because it's not manly to do that. But that was, that was countercultural to the kingdom of God. You know, we, we looked at our dads and saw them as powerful men, but they were hurting inside because of what happened to them, their past. But, and we look at our father and he's like, come to me. Tell me, your, come close to me. Tell me what you're dealing with. Come to me. Express how you're feeling and I will give you rest. But for some reason, our culture, even in the church, told them, you cannot talk about this. You have to be a man and you have to be just tough. You have to suck it up. You can't, you can't talk about it and you can't say that you have hurt or you have emotion in those, bad area, in those areas. And what happens is, is with that mindset, how did it affect the children? Because the first representation of God in, that we see in our life is who? It's our fathers. The father God is, we see it in, in our dads and we go, man, that's what dad is like. That's what, if that's what dad is like, that's what God is like. And so the first representation that we see of the father in our lives is God saying, I, or our father saying, I love you, or you have worth to me. And, and that was just wasn't, in a lot of people's lives, that wasn't the thing. A, a father coming along saying, man, you just have potential in your life. You have a calling in your life. Because that was feminine to do that. That was not manly to do that. But that's why it is crucial for our dads to carry themselves in that way, to, to put and build worth in their kids so that when their kids become adults, they're not going, well, my dad was just hurt and he didn't know how to deal with life and he was stressed and he was angry and he had to be macho all the time and not be able to express his emotions and that he's, he's hurting or he's upset or anything like that. You know, so our kids can get a bad expression of God the first thing they see, or they can get a good expression of God when they, see, when they talk to, when they see their fathers. You know, we've got this, this culture now where it's, it's okay to express your emotions. We've got soldiers coming back from uh, overseas, and they're coming back, and they're, they're getting the help that they need. And, uh, and it's amazing because these guys 50, 60, 75 years ago would not have gotten the help that they can get now. But we've got this culture of people saying that men need to get in touch with their feminine side. God did not create man, did not create man to have a feminine side. Well, he did, but what happened was is he took the rib out of, out of man and he created Eve. That's called your feminine side. So, so dads, husbands, your feminine side is your wife. And you are to partner together to raise your children the right way. So man does not have a feminine side, but they can be gentle like the Father God is gentle. 
They can be kind like the Father is kind. They can be uplifting like the Father is kind. But I don't understand it, and a lot of guys will, will agree with this. Back in that day, your dad didn't do that. The mom spoke into you, and the dad just said, well, I'm the disciplinarian, and I, this is what I do, and I'm the one that runs the house. And the mom was the one that built you up. And that's the way the, way the culture was. But that's, that's not what the culture of the kingdom is. You know, we, we look at the culture today, and men are supposed to get in touch with their feminine side, but who's going to protect the house? Oh, well, Johnny, you're seven. Somebody's breaking in. Here's a baseball bat go, and a flashlight. Go check it out. No. Men are supposed to be protectors. We get up and we say, I'm going to beat the crap out of you with this baseball bat if you come in the door, or you're going to get loaded, loaded with something from the end of this barrel if you come in my door and try to come in against my children and try to take what is mine and take what is not yours. What happens is, is the culture has told us that men are supposed to be weak. If we watch TV, what does TV show? It shows dads and fathers as bumbling idiots, and the, the woman is the only one who knows what is going on and only knows how to raise the kids, but the father is some bumbling idiot that just goes to work and makes money. And it infuriates me because that's not what man is supposed to be. That's not what a husband is supposed to be. That's not what a father is supposed to be. He's supposed to be strong and to be able to raise his kids the way that God wants them to be raised. So if someone tells you to get in touch with your feminine side, grab your hands, hand of your wife, say, I just touched the feminine side right there. There you go. You, you got in touch with the feminine side. Don't let culture tell you that you have to be that way because just because you're a man doesn't mean you can't be gentle. Just because you're a man doesn't mean that you can't be loving and nurturing to your children. Don't buy the lie of past generations that you have to be macho and don't buy the, the, the lie today that you have to be in touch with your feminine side. And, and God has created man and woman to be co-heirs of the kingdom, to be co-laborers, with their children to raise their children the right way. We were created to be like our Father. We were made in the image of God. Jesus and God are sitting up there, Holy Spirit, they're all sitting around looking down, and he says, what does he say in Genesis? He says, let's make man in what? Our image. So he doesn't just say, hey, let's just make man and let them become what they, their own image. He says, I'm going to make them in my image. So that means every man on the face of this earth that has ever been born or ever will be born is made in the image of God and they have the ability to channel the love of God through them because they are made in his image. You know what's funny is people are like, well, the love of God only, can, only flows through Christians. Well, that, I don't believe that because if you're made in the image of God, I've seen dads that love their kids and they're not Christians, and I've seen their dads be so gentle and so kind. Then how can you tell me that it's only a Christian that can have the love of God in them? I believe that the love of God does flow through a Christian in, in more ways, but I believe that because we've been created in his image, there's something inside of the DNA of man that knows how to be loving and kind to their sons and their daughters, even though they may not be a Christian. Because they have something inside of them that it is God. 
Because in, if we're created in his image, that means there's some little piece of God inside of us. Now, I'm not saying that the love of God is going to flow through them like a Christian would. Because when we have a relationship with our Father, we have, rela- uh, we have Jesus as our Savior, it, it's an overflowing. It's an overwhelming love. But to be loving and kind in this culture is almost uh, an oxymoron. You know, you, you see the, the bumper stickers everywhere. If you have one, I'm very sorry, but love wins. Um, I see that bumper sticker everywhere, and um, yes, it does, but it's, if you actually know what love wins, which is the love of Christ and what Jesus did on the cross for us, that's the love that wins. It's not just this being kind to everybody. It's, it's great. Don't, I'm not saying be mean to people. Be kind to people. But it's the love of Christ that wins. It's the love of Christ through us. And so God created dads to be a certain way. There's certain characteristics that he's, he's, he's going to put inside of you. Your personality is outside of that. It's whoever you are. But in Psalm 106, it says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Praise the Lord, O give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. So a dad, by default, should be patient and kind. Patient? That's a little tough sometimes. I will admit, it's a little tough sometimes, especially when you have three women in the house. Um, but I wouldn't trade it for the world. Because um, they could kill me when I sleep. Um, anyway, <laughs> just kidding. So, but I, I look at that and patience. It, it, sometimes it's really hard to be patient with your kids. Yesterday I was walking through um, walking down the uh, mall, little outside mall, and one of my children, who remained nameless, was very mouthy and sassy, and I, but I loved her, and I was very, becoming very patient and kind. I was trying to become patient and kind, and I was just like, I'm just going to keep my mouth shut because if I say anything, it's not going to be patient, it's not going to be kind, it's not going to be loving, but <sighs> patient is this. Patient overlooks some of the little things that they may do because there's times where my kids I'm like really you don't act that way my wife is great she's like you are just spoiled rotten you don't know how good you got it and when she's upset and it's funny because our kids really don't realize how good they got it until they have to go pay their own light bill and then they're like oh my gosh I don't have any money and then once they step out on their own they're like oh my gosh but uh, being patient with your children is overlooking some of the, the, the silly things they say to you when they're, when they're uh, frustrated. I, I was being nice. I was being kind. Um, and, but I look at those, and if you are, have to be patient with your kids, if you do not allow them to express what they need to express, whether it's wrong or right at that moment, sometimes you just have to express what you need to say and then go, oh, yeah, I probably shouldn't have said that. I need to ask for forgiveness but allowing them to express themselves. What people don't realize is, and a lot of people are this way, a lot of parents raise their kids, I need obedience out of you. Obedience is great, but if obedience is the only goal, you will have a mindless Stepford child 
who is only who is so worried about being obedient that they won't be able to be a normal human being because all they need is obedience i've seen parents get down there whisper in the kids ear i need you to be obedient obey me and i'm like i was like i say the same thing to the dog when i kick it out the door when it's being bad And I'm thinking about this is why are we so focused on obedience when we should have relationship? God wants obedience from us, but he wants relationship. Uh, Obedience comes out of the relationship. But we're we're so focused on being right and having them right. And God's like, I want you to just be with me. The rightness comes out of a relationship, but it's like, well, I just need you to obey. You know, oh, you you stumbled and you, uh, you fell down. Well, that's the consequence of not obeying. I don't need to tell you to obey. You're going to fall down and hurt yourself. There's natural consequences, and sometimes it's a bummer. And, um, yeah, so if you're ever around our house, um, you'll hear that's a bummer. And you might be 45 years old and still hear that's a bummer. Um, but patience is overlooking the flaws and in, in the, the issues that your kids may have. And saying, you know what, I love you. As your father, I love you, and I'm going to care for you as a father, even though you may be acting crazy right now. You might be being really stupid right now, but I still love you. And what's really great about it is God, we don't have to, with him, we don't have to earn his love. So many people are out there trying to earn the love of the parents because they're so afraid that if I do something wrong, if I'm not obedient, they're not going to love me. When you force obedience on them, it's like, you guys ever, well, most of you guys have dogs. If your dog is, if you're upset with that dog, that dog is just like, oh my gosh, you don't love me. It's just cowering. Why do we put that on our children? Well, if you're not obedient, then the love is is withheld. Romans 5, 8, but God shows his love for us so that while we were still sinners, Christ died. So he didn't want obedience from us before he sent his son. He gave us the gift first and said, you will obey out of my other relationship with me. So we don't have to earn his love. Kids need to hear that their fathers love them, that their parents love them, so they don't feel that they have to earn their love. You ever seen a child that is so desperate for love and they're like look what i did look what i did look what i did and kids will naturally do that because they want you to be proud of them but kids that are so desperate for love that they want they have to be seen and they have to be noticed and look at me look at me look at me because love was withheld from them it wasn't given freely to them it was you have to earn this love in order for me to say good job or me to say i love you husbands men Fathers, you're supposed to be a representation of the Father, God. The heart of the Father has to go through you. The Father's heart has to be inside of you. 1 Corinthians 6, 13. I love this scripture. It says, stay alert and hold firm to what you believe. Be mighty and full of courage. Let love and kindness be the motivation behind all that you do. I just, I love that because it says stand firm. 
Fathers, you need to stand firm for your children. You say, this is our house. This is what we believe. This is what we're going to do. We're going to serve God. We're not going to back down. We're not going to cower to the enemy. We believe that God loves us. We believe that God heals us. And we're going to stand on this. But today, too many people are like, well, I believe in God. And, but they don't, they, don't, they don't pass it on to their kids. They just, well, we go to church and this is what we do. And their kids are sitting there and they don't know who God is because they've never heard their father talk about who God is. We are created to be husbands and fathers, mighty men, lovers of God, leaders of our household, champions of our wives, first line of defense for our families, and upholders of truth. That's what God called men to be. That's what God called fathers to be. We're supposed to protect our children. That means if you have to go beat up another dad when the kids are like, my dad will beat you up, my dad will beat you up. No, I'm just kidding. Don't, don't fight other dads. Um, we're supposed to protect our kids. We're supposed to, to defend our kids. And that means their hearts, their minds, not just their physical body. And the one way we, another way that we protect our kids is by passing wisdom, wisdom on to them. We, think about this. Would you raise your kid and not ever say anything wise to him and say, good luck, and throw him out the door? No, you pass wisdom on to him because you want them to succeed. You're not just like, I'm going to keep everything from him, raise him until he's 18, and once he graduates, be like, hey, good luck there, buddy. No, we're not going to do that. We're going to raise our kids by passing wisdom on to them so that they can succeed in life. If you want your kid to be a good father, then teach them how to be a good father. So that when they get to be, become a father, they're not like, well, what's this? What do I do with this one? Hold them up by the leg. Uh, am I supposed to do this? And God has designed us to be protectors of our families. He's designed us to be protectors of our kids. So pass wisdom on. The wisdom that you've learned in your life, pass that on to them. Don't just say, well, you know what? I love you. God loves you. But don't, if you don't teach them wisdom, you're raising a fool. God has a design and a purpose for, father, uh, for men and fathers. And Micah 6, 8 says this. He says, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you? But do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with God. I'm sorry, it says walk humbly with your God. Fathers, that's what you need to teach your sons and daughters. To do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. Pass that wisdom on. If you've learned that, pass that wisdom on to your kids. Raise your kids like they are going to change the world. Tell them they're going to change the world. What's funny is people are like, oh, I want to change the world. And, not, and something big doesn't happen. They're like, how did I not change the world? Every day that you speak into someone's life, that you say, hey, God has a plan for you. God loves you. You've just changed the world. And people want this huge, big, massive movement of people, and I just changed the world. But changing the world can be in leaning down to your child and saying, God loves you, and I love you, and I'm proud of you. You change the world by praying with your children at night when they go to bed. You change the world by going to their soccer games and their uh, events and 
cheering crazy till they get embarrassed, you change the world by that. Because every one of those little things is a seed planted into your child. He, everybody wants to sow a seed and see it immediately produce fruit. But everything in our life says completely opposite of that. The kingdom, the kingdom is completely opposite of that. We want to throw the seed in the ground and go, okay, where's the fruit? I put a peach pit in the ground. I want to see a peach now. But it's not what the kingdom is like. The kingdom is, I sow a seed. I leave it alone. I go about my business. I sow another seed. I go about my business. I sow another seed. I go about my business. A little while longer, a little while longer. Oh, wait, there's something sprouting here. But we want this instant gratification, and that's not how it works. If we wanted our kids to be complete and whole by the time they're four, it's like, it doesn't work that way. We have a gradual dropping of seeds into our children's lives so we see fruit when they're an adult. We, we'll see fruit, gradual steps, gradual steps, gradual steps. But we don't instantly get what we want. It's I sow seeds to have a, a child that when they're 20, 25 years old is capable of doing what I did at 35. To do when they're 45, to do what I did when I'm 65. That our kids are better than us at understanding God, hearing from God, walking with God, speaking to God, and speaking of God, and have wisdom. So, fathers... Do justice, love kindness, walk humbly with your God, and love your kids like God loves you. Let's pray.